And I don't know if others really think about and really consider the impact when you think about you have someone, you have someone's time more than any other thing they do in their space of life, which is work. Yeah. It's just what it is, right? Unless you're just just wealthy and you don't have to come to work every day, you spend more time with that group. Let's influence that group. Then all the other groups will be impacted as well. This huge opportunity to really make a, a difference and why not do it here? Yeah, why not? And there's such amazing camaraderie in the trades, professional side, in the offices. It's just not as good. I got relatives in you know, pretty much every aspect of professional and, and craft work. I can see a difference in the camaraderie in the trades. I'm going to tell you, all the trade people out there, Felipe is jealous of your camaraderie. Like, I want more of that myself with uh, people and closeness and relationships that you have and enjoy. You can men you can actually mention Southland Industries. It's okay <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. You are definitely a change maker in the industry, Henry. I've been watching your career ever since we met. We should have been bros since day one. Like, it, yeah. where were you when I joined the industry? Well, first I'll say it's, it's a pleasure uh, knowing you. And you're like one of those kind of kindred spirits. Your personality and what's important to you, especially in our industry, you speak a common language that I that I speak. So it was very easy to want to get to know you and see what you're about and be a part of what you're doing. That's been cool. Honestly, you don't find very many people. I know this is a, it's a, it's a big community, but... There's still only some that you resonate with and want to be a part of. And you're one of those dudes, man. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Call it my animal magnetism. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things. But we also build in waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately, all online. Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process, how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S, well we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at tricanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone check the show notes for more information now to the show welcome to the show henry nutt i'm so <laughs> excited to have you here henry thank you i'm very happy to be here it's been a long time coming so thank you for having me i'm very excited about this you're on the same mission i'm on to make this a, a great place to work and to attract people to it and keep people in it and improve how it is because 
it's not that great. You got that right. We're making some strides, but we have a long way to go. Yes, we do. And I've been in this business for 34 years. I can say true journey began about 14, 15 years ago. And where I really began more committed to being a change maker and linking up with others and getting a part of organizations that are trying to make a difference and make this a more welcoming industry, a safer industry that utilizes its resources and, and people better, you know, in, in a way that's effective and efficient and, and obviously safer, safer. So it's, it's a lot of work. You find yourself being stretched in different different capacities and until you figure out really where where you make the most difference you know where you make the most splash that's continually evolving for me and it's always been about the people but it's in different ways uh, for me now regarding this current climate some of the messaging that we see in the world and how that impacts our industry and what's really important there's a lot going on um, so there's never a dull moment that's for sure that is for sure henry i just want to highlight a couple of things because it's just not good for you to brag on yourself but i will brag for you all day long all Thank night you. long i'm i'm proud number one i am proud to be among your friends you led uh creating an integrated team approach on a 1.2 billion dollar van ness and gary project in beautiful san francisco california you also in your free time that you create, you make free time to do these things, have been a trainer at the City College, at the City Build Program in San Francisco. Somehow you managed to also get on multiple board positions, including the AGC Lean Steering Committee since 2016, and you've been on the LCI Board of Directors since 2018. And Henry, you are the chair of the Associated General Contractors of America Diversity Inclusion Steering Committee. Congratulations, Henry. That is awesome. It's an honor and really a, a you know privilege working with all these smart folks. I always tell them that I'm not the smartest one in the room here, you know, but one of us is not smarter than all of us. So together we do some pretty cool things and 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 really being a part of AGC's DNI Steering Committee at this time and it couldn't be better uh, to have an organization that is really trying to pull together resources to help their membership navigate through this critical period again in our industry and in our world and and so being able to work with some teams and some folks that are writing policies and procedures and providing support to help companies be successful and working with their people and helping uh, with messaging specifically with diversity and inclusion type issues there's many blind spots that we have and we discover sometimes what they are and others take a little longer to see but this is designed to help those folks see yeah so being a part of some boards and obviously with lci it's been another honor and and working with folks like yourself and and others to my specific role really is about uh trade partners because that's my background obviously trying to figure out how we get more to adopt lean practices and really shift the way that we do work every day and, and even how we just show up every day be about things that require collaboration and, and team removing waste from uh, our daily task with anderson and gary you know yeah that was a mega project that took forever to get started but once it did it was really like this planning effort that that took years to where it needed to be to finally launch it was uh literally my best project I can say 34 years, and it's unfortunate because it took 
20 something years for it to get there, <laughs> you know? And so that's, that's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a testimony from the good and the bad. Why should it be that I've been in a, in a, in a business for 34 years and my best project comes about 20 years later, but the fact that it finally came uh, and have something to measure off of and leverage for the next one is a good thing. So I, I take it as a positive and uh, tell that story to, to folks all around when I can. 100%. Henry is very influential in the trade space with people i've i've heard stories about you even before i met you people were telling me all of these really good things about you and then when i got to meet you for the first time we were at the smackna office in oakland and you got up to speak about what we were going to do we were just coincidentally uh working together on a lean construction advanced last planner system workshop which we could talk about for hours but we won't <laughs> and uh i remember you getting up and talking about this video that was about to roll from that project. The video was really good, but your speech setting it up was even better for me. Yeah. And I just, I loved the the passion that you had. It really comes through when you were talking. I also got to see you speak in Walnut Creek. You were co-presenting about some of the things that you guys had done with uh, that team on that project in regards to last plan implementation. And the part that, that you were hyper-focused on was not the tool itself. It was the people, and it really came across to me. And you actually influenced me, Henry. You don't even know. But I'm telling you right now, Henry, when I saw you talking about Last Planner System that way and the way you were engaging, I changed my intention dramatically for how I was engaging with partners and especially trade partners. And when I made that shift after hearing you speak about it, I have since then not had any people resist doing it better are doing it that way versus traditional planning and scheduling. So I got to thank you for that, Henry. And I'm glad the timing of having you on the show is just perfect because I got to give you that that thank you and that kudos. So you've made a difference for all the people that I've engaged with on the trade partner community and even architects. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I had no idea, and I thank you for that. And but we just haven't had time to talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I Maybe. it's it's it's. <laughs> I always tell people that, you know, when I get on and do trainings or speak in front of people or whatever, which I've done quite a bit of it, never more than I ever imagined, honestly, in my career. But the reason I can do it with passion and intention is, is one, I believe in what I'm saying. I believe that the message is real. I believe that it works because it's it's been my experience. So I can only talk about what I know. I can only talk about with passion what I believe. And the moment I stop believing it, the moment it becomes a commercial, I can't do it. And I remember talking to my former construction manager when I was in my other role, and and I told him that. And, and I said, I, I, I can speak about these things because I see them, I see our people doing them, I see them struggling, but I see them trying, and, and I understand it. And, and so we're going to keep plowing you know the field essentially but it's always about the people first and foremost and myself as a as a former superintendent i never saw myself leading people in that way and i probably was the least likely if you were to, if you knew my history you would like this guy's not gonna lead a bunch of folks down a path and trying to make them better sheet metal workers or construction professionals that's not that's not his forte but one by one i began to really get to know the people that work for me and them getting to know me just as a man, just as Henry, the guy, and, and really trying to understand what they needed 
to do their jobs better and why it was important. And I think at the end of the day, because my worldview is I think everybody wants to come to work and put their best effort. That's kind of where I come from. So I, I lean on that, that truth for myself and that belief and believe that people want to do that. When I message with that and, and kind of go into the things I need to talk about regarding being better uh, or more efficient or safer or removing waste, I come from that angle. And it always resonated with people. The ones that didn't want to hear you, sometimes it took them a while. One of the, one of the persons that, that was a resistor for years ultimately left our company and sent me a message probably a year later saying, hey, you know what? That stuff you were talking about, it really mattered. And it was it was good stuff. I just want you to know, and I'm on another job implementing it now. So thank you. <laughs> you know, I never expected that. <laughs> it's crazy how it works sometimes, right? But get some skeptics. Yeah, get some. You're eventually gonna, you're going to come around. Right. Henry, I completely believe with that uh, philosophy. That's the first time I've heard you say that philosophy. And I've even listened to some of your other podcasts you've been on. I believe the same thing. Everybody that comes to work, wants to have a good experience. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to have a bad experience or I want to be taken advantage of or I want to grind all day and get nothing done or have my time wasted. I don't know anybody that has that type of mentality coming to work. And yet that's the type of work systems and environments that we have right. in construction. But your projects are different. Your approach is different. And you are having, I told you this before, we had had a conference call, you and I and some other friends. You don't even realize how big your influence is in the industry, which I think is really cute. It's cute to, like, you don't know. So let me be one of the, the first of thousands of people to tell you that you are making a difference. You've made a difference for me, and I see you making a difference for other people. I jumped up and down when you told me that you'd come onto my podcast. You don't even know. I have witnesses in my office that saw me jumping up and down when you accepted. So you're a big deal, my friend. Well, again, I thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And you're right. I don't, I don't know. And it's probably good that I don't know, you know, and I definitely, <laughs> I, I definitely don't do it for that. I, I, I just yeah. don't. It's almost like it's, it's doing something that you love and it happens to make you a lot of money, right? Or something like that. It's it's not about right. that. And the moment it becomes about the other things, I think you lose the passion, the drive, the purpose, the intention, and even the thing that exudes from you that draws people to the message. I'm just being me and this is something that I care about and I'm glad I care about it in the way that I do. And I'm so thankful and grateful that it does, that, that people do listen. If they think I'm a big deal, then then great. Because I know for all those who do, there's a bunch that don't. So I kind of take it in stride and, and, and say, okay, thank you for the for the kudos. And I appreciate the kind words. Just continue to plow forward and trying to link up with people that this matters to as well so that we can get things done and, and truly make the impact that our industry is striving and struggling to, to see manifest, you know, and think about people who go to work every day and struggle and are people who who go to work every day and because we spend more of our time at work, I always say that, than we do with our families. It behooves us to make it a better place and have a better experience. So maybe maybe we're even impacting homes, you know, relationships that are important to the folks that work every day for their families. And we can make their experience experience better. How does that not affect their home life? So many different different things that this touches when we just focus on trying to you know, when we're doing a pool schedule or we're trying to implement a 5S program or something that, that really works, that really people see the difference and the change that, that it's supposed to have, they're going to have a better experience. They're going to be happier people. They're going to treat their employees better. And it all trickles down. My background, I started as a sheet metal worker in 1987. 
and went through that experience. Ultimately, I came to Southland as a general superintendent and was in that role for about 14 years, two years ago that I that I transitioned. So during that time, I was leading, leading our folks and our, our field leadership on projects, getting introduced to Lean, obviously. Two years ago, I was tapped on the shoulder to try something different. And, and that is working on the, the front end of projects, business development slash pre-construction group now. So I have an opportunity to work on the front end and really one, win projects and then help get them established. So my title is pre-construction executive, as I just kind of came up with because I didn't want to be a business development person. <laughs> per se, nothing against them, but, but, but a person coming from the field, I wanted something that resonated with part of what I, I've done for most of my life and make sure that that value is, is a part of the conversation and not just, hey, I'm just a person that wants to win work. It's no, I want to win work, but I want to execute in a way that I know how it works and what we need to do in order to structure our teams and, and how we plan and roll things out and then speak the language of the field. <laughs> that I have not lost. That's part of what I bring to the table. So it's been a great transition. It's learning something new, which is always great and really working hard to to get better at that. There's a lot that I don't know, but it's exciting. I have support of, of my team and again, working for such a great company that allows you to to transition and shift into different things and see your, your gifts and talents and say, hey, you want to try this? And so I said, yeah. As long as I can be myself, as long as I can be me and work that, then sure, I, I'm all for it. It's been pretty cool. Again, I would never see myself here decades ago uh, operating in this role, but it, but it's exciting. I'm here trying to make a difference in, in this capacity. For at least from what I can tell, you seem to be very disciplined in your health. You're one of the people that I would assume treats your body like a temple. What uh, what can you share about your commitment to your physicality and just your, your health choices that you've had over the years having to work with your hands and your body so hard? You know, like, like anyone else, I, I definitely have had my struggles. And I and I think I think when I came to Southland, no, I remember exactly. I was about, believe it or not, 30 pounds overweight. And it was very noticeable, especially for me, obviously. Uh, and I went on this mission to lose weight. That time, it wasn't necessarily through exercise. It was just through my eating habits. And I did that. And then I gained some weight back. And then maybe about five years later, I, I introduced to myself cross-training and, and strength training and things like that. So I got a trainer for a year. I told him, hey, I'm not looking to look like the Hulk. Um, I just want to be in shape. And I don't want to be intimidated when I come to the gym. I want to know what to do. I want to know what to use. I want to know how to use it. Give me there. He was great because he wasn't this egotistic guy looking in the mirror all the time. He was somebody that really just wanted, you know, he understood, hey, lightweights are going to help you and this is what you do here and all that and the rest is on you. He helped me with that discipline and I just created this this pattern of five times a week in the gym, of course, eating properly. I've always done that. And again, like anybody else, I have my, my days and or weeks, but more often than not, what I put in my body is something that's going to help it. Try to stay away from those food trucks on the side of the road uh, that pull up on the job sites, you know, unless they have some good stuff, which there's there's a lot more of that now, you see. It's been this discipline of, one, I care about my body because I want to see it, like, be here in the earth. And I have children that I want to see my grandkids one day when they have children and not have a, a life that is dependent upon 
unnecessary uh, support because of how I treated my body. Obviously, there's things you can't control with, with your health all the time, but give it the best shot that you have. And I'd look to when I get my physicals to for my doctor to tell me about all the different vitals that are in great condition. It's a goal, always a goal for me to hear the good news. And I know it's that magic that has to you have to be doing the right things, right? So right. that's kind of how I live my life. And like anyone else, though, I have my days where I, I slip up. and But I, I try to stay focused on that. Um, again, not for someone to say, you look great, but really to say, you know, I feel great. My insides of uh, my body are an example of that to me <laughs> first. You know, so uh, it's not easy because there's a lots of options out there that want to take you away. It's easy to get off track. But again, when it's a lifestyle change and it's more about living healthy, because you want to live and live a life that is, again, not dependent on things or people unnecessarily. It's easy to stay in that realm, you know, and get up in the morning. And or when you come home from work and you're tired, you still do it. Um, and you feel great after the, afterwards, you know, working out or whatever. That's it for the most part. Yeah, that's it. He's so humble, ladies and gentlemen. Henry Nutt has probably the best posture I've ever seen of somebody walking around at these conferences where he's been out there speaking. And, and you could just see him. And Henry, I, I feel like your vitality age is 10 years younger than my my real age. <laughs> you are you are in fantastic shape, my friend. So Thank keep you. it up and keep that discipline up. It's inspiring. Thank you. I would definitely do that. Appreciate it. What led you to choose sheet metal as a profession? Is that where you started? No. It wasn't necessarily my first choice. My father was a sheet metal worker. And so it's kind of one of those things where he was strongly hinting. I definitely uh, emphasize the word strongly. Uh, <laughs> this is the career path that you should think about, right? Because I wanted to be an engineer. I was focused on that and, and some other programs that I was thinking about. And he kind of let me kind of do, you know, make some choices and stayed away. But he never, never left completely with that voice in my head about checking out the sheet metal trade. I graduated from high school in 1986 and I decided I was going to go to a junior college. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I was doing that for about a year and a half. And then he convinced me that I should at least take the test. And the way he presented it was like, hey, take the test. What's the worst that could happen? If you don't want to do it, you just continue going to school that was too logical for me to just say no and what a good approach your dad's it, wise yeah 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 definitely <laughs> i took the test and obviously passed it and i had to make really a life choice like in that moment they passed the test we're going to put you to work and i was working at a, like macy's or something and work going to school and that was my life and suddenly it was going to change and so I had to make a choice really quickly. I made the choice and I got into the trade. Kind of, I say the rest is history, but it's really not because I actually worked for a while. I was very discouraged in my first several years of being in the trade. I had worked with people that were just intolerable, that didn't care about anything but themselves. And I got hurt and I got cut, I think my first day and I should have got stitches and I ended up getting a Band-Aid and I didn't know enough to do anything about it. And it was just an industry that was just not good for me. And I'm thinking like, what the heck am I doing? You know, depressed and mad every day and all that, you know, so having that experience that I talk about of how you spend all your days, a significant part of your life in a space that is not great. I ended up running into two different men that at different times, and it must have been all over my face that this kid's not happy. They ended up just encouraging me in different times and saying, hey, whatever you do, don't quit. And that's how I remember that. Don't quit. Don't quit. Time went by and and I continued in, was working and actively engaged in jobs and all that. And I think another five years or so, I had just turned out 
to journey level. And I was working on one of my first couple jobs and I was all excited. I was newly married and then I got laid off. It was like, well, we're sorry, it's you. You're a great worker, blah, 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 blah. And I was thinking to myself, I can't do this, right? I, I don't want to just go back and forth and work eight months out of the year and all that. I had decided, well, forget it. I'm going to leave the trade. I'm going to go back to school. This time I'm going to go back to school and be a counselor. I didn't take a leave or anything. I just kind of just stopped working for a little while. And I did you know, continue paying my dues. And I went to school and I was working at a school for at-risk youth and going on in this mission to become a counselor and, and save the world in that way. Right. So I did that for, for a year. And then one day on this long trip BART ride that I had, uh, it was almost like this audible voice I heard saying, why'd you quit? And you have all this training. This is your path. So I went to work. I came home. I shared that with some folks that mattered to me. They were in line saying, yeah, this is something you went to school for and you will always have it and you don't need to start over again. I began to put my efforts back into that. And one day I got a call from our union rep, which never happens. And he said, you have three options, three different job options and take one of them. And I picked one. And that was the beginning again of my my, my career. But this time I came back Felipe, with a different mindset. And this is for folks who struggle. This is for people in, the, in their path who may be just starting and not sure where to start and how to matters themselves and their emotions and work. And I came back with this mindset that, hey, you're the younger guy all the time, right? And that's just what it is. I was young in the trade and I had people constantly reminded me that I was a kid, which sometimes I didn't, you know, sometimes it was funny and other times I didn't care about it. I didn't care for it. I said to myself that I need to come back with confidence and I need to understand that my ideas do matter, even if I don't have all the experience. And you need to step up and quit waiting for people to ask you, show some initiative and all those kind of things that I, I could say is humility. But in many cases, it was fear. I began to do that. My first day on the job, there is a gentleman that was my ex-boss, his name was Mike, came out of his trailer and said, hey, I got, I got a job for you. Just give me a few minutes. I'll be right back. So he went back in the trailer and he left me to see what I had to do. Immediately, I knew what I needed to do. It wasn't a hard task, but I didn't need him to come back and say, I need to do this. I took the initiative. I remember that. That was back my moment, right? And I yeah. took that moment. I showed the initiative and I just went to work. He came back outside and said, oh, looks like I have a leader on my hands. That literally was the trajectory and change of my career. That's when my job became a career. That's when I came to work with a different drive and passion and purpose. And it was just that simple thing because it wasn't a hard job, but it was something that I didn't have to wait for. And normally the old Henry would have just sat there and waited for him to tell me what I need to do, which I already knew. From that point on, I really stepped into my leadership capacity and took more initiative, shared my ideas about how we're gonna strategize on different work and became a foreman for him years later that led to a general foreman, you know, and an my transition into Southland. So that was kind of like this moment for me and my journey over years of being in the trade from discouragement to ultimately becoming that leader that I never thought I would be. So it's been pretty cool. Henry, what I love about that story is that you had doubt like so many of us do. I've had more, probably more dark days in construction than sunny, bright days. And somehow, some way, the sun still shines. And one of the things I love about that story is that you didn't have enough knowledge and experience yourself and you sought the counsel of others wiser than yourself, people that you trusted. I think a lot of people, Henry, they fail to seek counsel when they should. And it's kind of ironic because you're 
You're trying to be a counselor yourself to help at-risk youth. And you sought counsel when you did. You were open to what they said, but ultimately you made the decision. And what I heard that you never spoke out loud is that you committed. And when you committed, you said, I'm going to come back with confidence. And what you didn't say, but what did actually happen is you came back with higher self-esteem and you stopped waiting to be told what to do, which absolutely makes the leader. You are now setting the direction and people are going to follow you. That's inevitably what happens. So everybody listening, you know, rewind that part and listen to what Henry said a second time, because you have that opportunity today. Anyone who's listening to the show, you have that opportunity 365 days a year. If you're alive, you can commit and step up and take it. You have a choice. You can go through the world and be pushed around by it, or you can co-create with it and have fun. The choice is yours every day. So I absolutely love that, Henry. I love that. Committed, your self-esteem changed, your confidence went up. That's when I got my career. That one moment, not a straight path to get there. You'd been in, out, and then back within five-ish years. 20 minus five is still 15 years of bad stuff happening. That says yeah. a lot about your your resilience and your tolerance because you know that it does make a difference. We don't do enough to engage with people like you do, which is getting to know somebody, you know, man-to-man, man-to-woman, woman-to-woman. I think we're we're still missing that at a very large scale. I'm sure people have sought counsel with you to get your advice. What is some good advice you've given some folks? There was a part of it where I had to learn to believe in myself. I had to I had to really understand that there was, there was a purpose. And that's why it's so important to, when you pick a career path, is choose something that you love or you really like a whole lot because you're gonna spend the rest of your life doing it or, or a good amount of time. It's first and foremost knowing that that's kind of like your foundation because you're going to get hit and it's going to, your, that foundation is going to be shaken and how deeply you're rooted in that I'm supposed to be here will keep you or it'll fall over because you don't really love it. You're not, you're here because this is something you, you know, you're passing through or maybe your parents told you that you should do it. And because even with that, at the end of the day, my dad's, you know, idea of me being in the trade, it had to become mine. I couldn't live it on on his belief for me. It had to be about my own. The moment in space and time you're in that this is where you want to be, this is where you should be. So then you're going to put some energy towards how to maintain that. My former boss used to say, one of us is not smaller than, than all of us. You want to solicit someone or a people that can advocate for you, that can rally around you. And many times they're not necessarily the folks that you work next to. Sometimes they're in a different department. You find yourself getting them being a resource for you and not being afraid to, I guess the word vulnerability comes up and, and you, you know, you have to kind of like, you can only get as much as you're willing to, to give in a sense and being transparent with where things are, you know, in a, in a professional, respectful way is like, Hey, this is what's going on. Here's where, I, where I'm struggling and getting someone that you trust that you, that can, again, rally around you and give you some insight. Maybe they have a few more years than you and they can share some of their stories about what they've been through. And I guarantee you that anyone that's been in this industry for any length of time has had some struggles, as you know. And if they're willing to share, you'll get some insight that would be invaluable to what you do next. One of the things that we, you know, that, I, that I've done working with, like, say, the City Build program and getting folks that are just starting. And it's always about how you kind of take an inventory of yourself. You take an inventory of, of your life. You take an inventory of the choices that you've made and you kind of discover why I am where I'm at. 
typically it's the stuff we've done. <laughs> and, you know, we want to look out and say, somebody else made me do it. You know, even my mom and dad made me do it. And, you know, I never had a father at home. He made me do it. And all those things have some truth to them. But at the end of the day, now it's about you. And now we have to walk, we have to come out of the victimization role and step up to who we are. We may not like that person at that time, but we have the power to change. We have the power to make different steps. We have the power to not look like the generations of other folks in our family. And I tell them that it starts with you. And so you have to believe in that. Maybe you look around and it's all darkness. Like there's no hope. It looks like it's, there's no, how do I get out of this? For every story that I hear that, I hear folks who have come out of that and have made changes because it certainly mattered to them. That's where I think that the magic solution, like you can read a great book, you can even get a mentor that's going to help you. But at the end of the day, you're still left by yourself to make a decision. You still are left there by yourself to decide, is this important enough for me to hold on to? Or do I go do something else? It's still up to you. So that really comes down to, that's not necessarily the, the cookie cutter, you know, explanation, but I think it's what really helps people. It gets down to the core of us being that human that's kind of feels like a, a new seed being planted in the dirt because there's nobody there and it's cold and dark and you're alone. But you're in the seed, you're a seed in the dirt. So there's an opportunity for growth. You just don't see it yet, right? And so it's one of those things of, of recognizing the space that you're in now doesn't have to be the rest of your life. And one day at a time, you have to begin to do the work. And again, solicit, solicit help. Get yourself around people that are smarter than you and recognize that, that you may not be. I read something last night and it said, why am I always the bigger person? I said, well, maybe because you need to start be, stop being around small people, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, <laughs> wow, like that. that's pretty, that's pretty good, you know, because again, yeah. it, it kind of takes back to you saying, yeah, maybe it's great to be the bigger person, but every once in a while you need someone to be the bigger person for you. But if you're around small people all the time who bring you down, maybe you should change your circle. Sometimes that's one of the biggest things, especially working in that group, getting folks to kind of break the cycle of negativity in their lives, see what's possible by changing their environment, even if they can't move from their territory, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I definitely do. Yeah. That's one of the things I, I read in a book. I read a lot of books, Henry, because I like my mentors to be consistent. And the mentors that I have that have put it down in a book, you can't get more consistent than the printed word. <laughs> and right. one of the books that I read, it's over 100 years old. I don't remember the title. The author had said that you're going to be the the five friends that you hang around with the most. And it, said also, it also said you're going to be the sum of the books that you consistently read. If you're looking at whatever information is coming into your world, you're going to be the average of that. And my mentors actually do include my father. My father and I, we had this conversation about this recently. I want to say it was like a month ago. He and I were talking on the phone about some of the struggles that we were having. He asked me about what have I done to overcome discrimination in the workforce. He shared some things with me, and it was the first time, Henry, we never talked about overcoming discrimination or adversity at work mm. until this year. Wow. Some of the things that he, he told me, I'd said, I had no idea. I asked him, I was like, why didn't you ever talk about this? And he said, because I don't want to be a victim. He said, if I would have complained to you, growing up, then I would have shown you that, that I'm just going to get taken advantage of. And he's like, you know me, I'm not a victim. And I said, yeah, I do. I was like, I don't know anybody that takes advantage of you except for mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. I mean, and I identify with that Felipe in regards to the whole victimization thing. And I know that I experienced racism, discrimination many times, and they're very poignant moments uh, that you just don't forget. 
but I'd never complained about that. And I and I never became this victim and used some of the some of the language that you know can just get me more discouraged and help me. I've had people laugh at me when I was going to look at jobs, look for jobs, and, and couldn't find them during that that period. And it was very obvious about the why. You you keep your head up and you uh, go to the next one. It's been definitely a, a, a real thing in in our industry as well as in our country. I believe not having that victim mentality helps to keep you focused. And maybe you need to go home and cry, you know, or you maybe yeah. you need to go home and, and you know and and hug your dog, whatever. But but you go back and you put your game face on because you're doing it for more than yourself. Yes, there's there's unfair treatment, there's discrimination, there's all these different things. Sometimes you don't know where to place that, but you know it's something. You have to find ways to overcome. Thankfully now, there's been space created to have more conversations regarding that. There are things we're doing at AGC that are create that create space for having conversations that help companies and field leadership and office leadership to uh, engage their employees in a way that make their space more welcoming and, and engaging. Those are the things that you 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 know you and I you know fought for and and, and wanted to to see. Uh, but we learned how to exist right in the midst of it because we had no choice. It made us better and, and be able to, to speak to others about the struggle. But some of that struggle you know we bring to light now, and, and we can have real conversations about it that may not be comfortable, but they're very important. And then we even have data now that talks about how these dynamic teams come together and there's a business case for diversity and how that is impactful and affects the bottom line of, of companies with, with real numbers and real data. Although we have a long way to go, we're definitely seeing some turns and I say it starts with a conversation. And as long as we keep talking about it, as long as we get, keep getting people in these circles to kind of pull their guards down. And, and have these conversations about their why, because, you know, our biases come from our childhoods and we all have them and we may not like them, but they, they we may not even be aware of them sometimes, but they exist. It's about understanding someone's story before we just judge someone for what they said and did. Now, there are things that are outright wrong that you shouldn't do or shouldn't say, and you should know better. Um, but then there's some things that people just don't know. And they're innocent in, in conveying this because one, it's what they've always done, right? right. And no one's ever told them it's wrong. And, and so it's about, no, that's not okay. And it's, let's talk about that. And we have to do that if we want to make this industry more welcoming and get people that come into it. And like you say, stay in it because that's most important is we need people that want to commit to this industry and carry the baton for for those of us who are getting older and will be transitioning out. This industry and construction as a as a whole is a huge part of our GDP, right? Across the world. It's this is yeah. it's significant and and there there's a shortage in the, the workforce. There's a reason for it. And so we have to again make it a space that this younger group that has different expectations than you and I did when we came in. And rightfully so, they're different people. I believe they're going to make it better, but we have to want them to be here. And that's that's continues to be our job. Henry, thank you for that. And, and we are so lucky to work with younger people coming in. I am just energized by the just the openness of the, the newer people coming in. It is exactly what we need. I, I'm just, yesterday I spent some time uh, with an intern in a in like in a group class and some of the things that the that he shared with the group was just spot on on point and i can't wait to see him take a full-time offer the energy and just the openness and the enthusiasm the mind of the younger people coming into the to the space now henry 
to them, like everything is just possible. Yeah. Like they're so used to just seeing things happen and they've, they've lived through so many changes, you know, it's like where you and I had come in and you came in before I did, I was just like beat into my head from the people that were mentoring me. Cause they, they were all, you know, people in their forties and fifties when I joined in who were my mentors and they were just like, this is just the way things are. And like things don't change. I still remember a project manager telling me that email is a fad and it's not going to stick around. <laughs> don't worry about checking your email or even turning on your computer. I mean, that's how old I am. Uh, and that ten- that turned out not to be true. Yeah, right. email is a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, the young the young people there. I have two young adults and a teenager. Just see their inspiration and aspiration for life and and what they want to see and do. If you don't resist it, you know, and feel like somehow it's wrong because it's not aligned with what you know and understand, then you can allow them to soar and really take something that, hey, just because it hasn't been done, just because we've all felt like it's not possible, doesn't mean it's not possible. And sometimes you have to get out and step back and be uncomfortable and allow these young people to to do what they do and learn from them. Speak to the young people about that and say, hey, yeah, I have some things that you need as a person with some experience and you have some things that I need. And let's figure out how we can collaborate and figure it out together versus be just resist each other. In the trades, it's been always about three things. I mean, you know this, you come to work, we tell people, hey, show up on time, come with a good attitude and be willing to listen. Do that, do those three. You don't have to know anything. You just show up and we will do some great things and help you. That's been uh, a consistent message. Some folks get it, some don't. I have to sometimes kind of remind some of our, our older folks, be patient. You know, <laughs> just, you know, don't throw them away yet, you know, and, and then some of the young folks have to tell them, you know, here's what you need to do. There's, there's a certain thing of respect that's important. And what this is, is disrespectful. And you're going to, that's going to be the fastest way for you to be removed. So it's kind of like, where's the balance at, at how right. we kind of find that space where we can, we can work together and, and get done what we're trying to get done. And to the young people listening out there, I was just telling one of my, my mentees, yesterday respect is where we often fail to start and henry you just nailed it uh and and that that starting with respect really has to go inside first if you're frustrated at work you've likely withstood some things that have happened to you and you didn't speak up and you don't feel good about it that's that's your yourself telling you that that what's happening right now the situation you're in is not acceptable. And you've got to have enough self-respect, have the difficult conversation with your boss or your team, or reach out. Reach out to somebody with some experience, some wisdom, someone that you trust, and share what you're struggling with so you can explore what is that feeling of frustration. You're going to find out, like my mentee found out, some of it's just in your head, and it's not real. And sometimes that experienced person can ask you some questions to really find out, like, what's the real current situation? Or are you just having some negative thought, negative self-talk that's taking you down? One of the most important things to garner, like, the only principle I care about is respect for people. And it's got to start with yourself. If you have your level set right, there is nothing anyone can do to mess you up. You never have to be a victim ever again. If you can get your level of self-respect at where it needs to be and wherever you think it needs to be, double it and make it even higher. 
right right yeah i, I think that uh Felipe, that overthinking part you know and getting and being in your head it's for every capacity of life i ran across a uh, little cartoon depiction the other day and in this these two dinosaurs looking at each other and one says i'm thinking i'm over i think i overthink too much or i'm overthinking the other one says yeah you probably are they just stare at each other and then he says well well what if i'm not Right. So it's like you're back to it again, you know, and so, you know, you, you get in, we get in our heads about something and we create a whole story about what it may be and it may not be that. So we have to understand that that's our responsibility and no one's going to read your mind and, nope. you know, you're at work and you're struggling and you think your boss just knows or someone just knows and no one knows because it's your story in your head. And sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to understand why and we're really to look at sometimes what what is it that's bothered me what is it that i need to do differently what is it that is impacting me right now and when you start looking at the what it's kind of like pulling those layers back and addressing that what that over ultimate why will come to reveal itself but if you spend more time trying to figure out why you get lost there are some real tangible things that you can do that are the what's, right? So right. hit those, address those, get out of that, that space uh, in the clouds where you're on, you're there by yourself and you're wondering why no one's there with you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you struggle. And, and, and I've seen people quit prematurely and then want to come back and it's not the same when, when if they do and if they can because they got in their heads about something and they just, they didn't really dive into it enough to really understand what do I need to do here? They were just so caught up in that, that why space that they were just... They were like lost in the clouds. So, and, and that's life and it applies, you know, to work. We have to um, be able to have conversations and help people in that way, addressing things that may, again, not be necessarily common. But one thing about this generation of younger folks is they are transparent and they have been raised to, to be open and, and have conversations. And they're going to tell you how they feel. You may not like it, but we have to learn how to address that in a professional way and realize that we're not going to deal with, we're not dealing with people like ourselves who kept everything inside. Right. We didn't, you know, we, it was like done. We weren't going to talk about anything. We just come to work, it, take it on. And, and that was that, you know, whereas this generation now is, is different and we can't say it's worse or better. It's just what it is. And we have to deal with what we have so that we, again, know how to address the issues and, um, or understand uh, what we need to do to help. Absolutely. And uh, I love that the people today question things. I get so excited when I see somebody question something that's just frustratingly dumb that we do because nobody even questioned why we do it. I, I, encourage, I encourage people, please raise your hand. Tell us. We don't know why we do some of the things we do. So your fresh perspective is welcomed and your immediate boss might not always appreciate it, but somebody on your team was like, I was thinking the same thing. I'm glad you brought it up. So, right. Right. you know, please find a way to bring it up so that you don't have to have those experiences like we did. You'll have your own struggles. Everybody has struggles. Right. And your yeah. struggles will be different. We can learn from each other so we don't have to repeat the same exact mistakes. Exactly. Exactly. And we think about the, uh, some of the statistics in our industry in regards to safety, in regards to health, mental health. We have an industry that is, if not number one, it's closely to that in regards to, to suicides by men, and particularly white males that commit suicide almost more than any other industry. And that is not a number that we want to have no. as being the best in, right? Why is that created? Why why is it that, that people in our industry uh, want to end their lives 
and and some of it is accessed because they can because they have you know they're working on top buildings or different things like that uh, but it's that mental part of it where we get in that space where we just become hopeless and some of it has a lot to do with work and not releasing so imagine you go six months with that kind of rage and you're not releasing it that something has to give you know and and i think that's another part of responsibility that we have to say hey come join the construction industry it's exciting it's new it's challenging it's fun it's different yeah it is all that <laughs> but we got people who are killing themselves you know and and so we really want to really address that make some of the ch changes that we need to make to improve the mental health and create psychological safety that we talk about now and creating that in our in our jobs uh, and, and letting our field leadership know that it's okay and making it a thing you know as a part of our routine so people get a chance and it's not can't save the world we got to go put work in place but we can create some time to make sure that that people have an opportunity to release and and maybe add it to a tailgate or something and, and have those kind of conversations and make sure, or see the warning signs of people, right? Maybe somebody's about to go off the edge or something and training our field leadership to be more aware of those kind of things. And I think our younger generation is gonna, they're gonna help bring that along because they they are about being transparent and open and, and challenging the norm. But again, we have to, we have to uh, create that space for them to again, welcome those folks into our industry and in addition to all the great experiences they can have in construction, it doesn't have to be this this pit of of demise and and frustration and and anger and people not caring and shouting and screaming at each other and you know all those things that that we've experienced. You know the the strongest survive and you run over other people. That is not what we do. That is not who we want to represent. And we've, we're raising the bar when it comes to construction workers. And, and I, I remember one of the trainings we had a few years back where this gentleman came in and he made all of our field leadership say, I'm a construction professional. And he kind of identified it with the amount of money that runs through their hands, our field leadership. They'll run over a 30 year period. Some of them were in multi-million, some of them were close to a billion dollars worth of work that would run through their hands over their career. And he said, how are you not a professional? <laughs> You know, doctors and lawyers, and they go to school and they do this and they're responsible for all these different things. Uh, athletes are considered professionals. Why are we just a construction worker? You know, so it's more about raising the mentality about who you are. You know, it's like that whole thing of your senior outing is you make, they make you wear a suit, <clears throat> excuse me, when, when I was younger to, to try to curve the behavior because you had a suit on versus some jeans. It's kind of like <laughs> raising the expectation of of that person and recognizing that yeah maybe i maybe i wear cut hearts and i look kind of grubby but at the end of the day i'm a professional i'm responsible for millions of dollars they flow through my hands and i have to make decisions in sometimes split seconds to figure out something and and get my people continually to be productive you're a professional and it doesn't matter what your outfit looks like it's about what you do i think sometimes that for most of my career that was never drilled into my brain i just went to work i had somebody even stop me one time when i was working in the city of oakland because i was pushing a basket and i had cardinals hearts they thought i was a homeless you know and 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 i told them no i work here and so it was it was really interesting um but it's one of those things where like raising the bar of who we are what we do and what we're responsible for. Absolutely. Setting that higher standard 
for ourselves and it just it will translate to so many other areas of your life it does have side effects like the what you do at work the experiences you have do translate and do come across we are all construction professionals if you're listening to the show that includes architects and engineers too (laughs) (laughs) and if you're an owner's rep and you're involved in the capital construction you're also a construction professional. Welcome to the family, construction professionals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we're we're open to it. That's right. Where can you put your finger on why you didn't quit with, you know, call it 20 years of frustration and bad bad things happening in the industry? What do you attribute to your stick to itness to stay in. You know, I can say back then I probably didn't know any better. I mean, I felt like I was I was responsible for something that I started and and I had if I were to look back at that time, I had went to school for four and a half years at night, worked, kind of went through this whole process, turned out, and then I was getting ready to start this whole new thing from the bottom again. I really attribute it to that voice you know, that intuition in my heart, that long Bart ride where I had time to think and reflect about what I was doing. And although I was doing something that was going to benefit, again, people by counseling and working with at-risk youth, I was thinking about, again, what I had started. And I couldn't shake that. So you've established this. And I've always, I was always told, you could take this anywhere in the world. You got your, you got this, this card and you can work in any state and you can even take it out the country and work you know, in this trade. No one's ever going to take that away from you. Thinking about that, I, I realized that I had something that I had that I had did for myself. And it was important that I not give up. And so when I started, kind of restarted with the attitude of not giving up, that's when the doors opened. I got calls from uh, my union rep with options. And at that point, that had never happened before. And that's when the industry started booming. And I went back to work, but I went back to work with that different attitude. It really like all these different things that happened along the way, like the, the two different men that spoke to me at different times. I looked at the struggles I had, the things that I didn't like and the people that I ran across that were unfair. But what stood out was, hey, you, you did this. You went to school and you finished and you accomplish the task. And this is something that, again, that you'll always have. And if I were able to shape or or kind of reshape my my thinking process, then I could make a difference. Now, I didn't know all that. I, I I was thinking that. Then I started to do it. So immediately when I went back, I did it. And I began to see this does work, right? This is really something that it's, this is about me. This is about me seeing myself differently and, and recognizing that I can help shape my destiny to some degree, right? I do have some influence on what happens to me, no matter what, no matter who I am, no matter the color of my skin, I had some, some opportunity to shape how people saw me. So even in failure, you can, you can shape how people see you, make a choice in those moments to get frustrated, um, to lash out, or to hold your, your head up with dignity and realize that, okay, this is not the one for me. You keep going. So it was about not not quitting. I think at the end of the day, I wanted to stick it out and, and, and I want to be someone for myself to say I, I was a quitter. And, and But I have a story, you know, about it. And I took a, took a road and took a, another path, but I came back and I'm grateful for what I've come back to. But it really had to do with 
my own mindset. That was the thing of was just not wanting to quit when I had actually finished it. It wasn't half-baked. It was done. And I could easily go right back and do it versus starting over in something else. And if I decided later, hey, I've had it. I'm going to go back to school now. And I'm going to go do this. But do it not because of anger or, or some kind of failure that happened. It was more about making a choice that was good. And, and that wasn't good. That was I left there out of for different reasons, right? And so I recognized that it wasn't time for me to go. And that's really what it came down to. Awesome, Henry. I am so glad you stayed. Henry, thank you so much. Powerful Henry Nutt. Thank you for spending time with me today and sharing your story. I know you're going to inspire thousands more people that are coming into the construction family. We are all construction professionals. Well, again, thank you, Felipe, for this. And really appreciate this, uh, this time talking with you and I really appreciate what you're doing. And it's, it's, it's people like yourself that really have committed by creating this whole space for us that I know it's not easy to do, um, but you're doing it. And it's really, it really matters. And it really will be impactful, continue to be impactful and grow and do its part to get the message out, to get people um, to see different leaders and folks that you have on the show. Um, it matters. And, and so I, I, I just say, Kate, hey, continue doing what you're doing, man. And um, I thank you for doing it and, and being a part of it. Count on it. Thank you, Henry. Take care. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>